Welcome to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. Is there an NHL team that provides more drama and intrigue on a nightly basis than the Pittsburgh Penguins? In the span of the very first week of the Penguins' 2021 home schedule, we have seen the rare and the bizarre. The spectacular, the forgettable, the unforgettable, and as usual, the unpredictable. Bad starts, great finishes, cheap hits, costly injuries, and most importantly, three straight comeback wins at PPG Paints Arena. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Penguins Live Weekly. I'm Paul Steigerwald with Brian Metzer, Wayne Gretzky, Anderson at the controls. Good morning, Mets. Uh, the week was a good week for the Penguins, a successful one, but one that had us all sort of wiping our brow and and uh, taking sighs of relief. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I think we were wiping our brow throughout games sometimes because there were ebbs, flows, ups, downs. Uh, it was like a roller coaster, but the Penguins found a way to, to pick up three huge wins, and I guess that's a credit to them and, and the kind of team that they seem to be this season. Well, there were definitely some times where you had to kind of cover your eyes, and I think the Penguins are still a work in progress in terms of their structure, and they tend to have these mistakes where they where – they well, the word that Mike Sullivan used after the Flyers games was catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they dodged bullets on a couple of these catastrophic situations, and uh, that's the good news. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've proven to be very resilient. They've proven to be able to overcome those cat, you know, catastrophes, if you will, and to see them find themselves in two goal holes twice in, in the past couple games and being able to come back and pick up huge points in the division after it started a little, uh, I guess, dubiously uh, with the the two losses in Philly. I, I was very pleased with the way they were able to do that. And once they do round into form and start playing his system and doing what he wants and, and you get everybody, I guess, on, on the same page. I mean, there's some new faces. There's a couple young guys involved. There's injuries. To see them uh, pull this off, I was pretty impressed. Jim Rutherford did some work in the offseason to bolster the supporting cast, and it has already paid dividends. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think right from night one, I mean, you, you saw the impact of a guy like Jankowski, the way he came in, and he's starting to round into form in the face-off circle. Uh, some of the existing faces have started to chip in. Teddy Bluger, I mean, he, he got a couple big goals. He's been better in the face-off circle. And then, of course, uh, your big guys, you're waiting for them to really answer the bell. But I've been impressed with Sidney Crosby so far, and, boy, that's an understatement because it seems like no matter what the time, what the situation, Sid's always doing what we expect from Sidney Crosby. and dynamite for him in the past couple games in the face-off circle. So when you mix in the the new faces that, that Rutherford brought in, I mean, Cody Cece made an impact last night. Colton Sevier, yeah, Colton Evan Sevier Rodriguez. Had right? a couple goals. Rodriguez I'm still a little hit or miss on, only based on the fact that he's been shuffling throughout the lineup. He's an old and new face because he spent a little cup of coffee here last year. I think they need to find a, a, a proper role for him. I don't think Sidney Crosby's wing is the proper fit. But, yes, he has contributed. He has a goal, and uh, we'll be hearing that in a little bit here. So, overall, the acquisitions have worked out, as well as uh, some of the guys that have been on the roster for quite a while. And I guess we should tell the folks uh, at home who may have missed what happened last night and are tuning in this morning or driving in their cars and uh, just happened to catch us on this morning show, which happens every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on the Penguins Radio Network, uh, Mets, that the Penguins did win last night, 4-3, to another come-for-behind win. Uh, it was another shootout win and a really successful debut for a good-looking prospect on defense. Yeah, uh, P.O. Joseph, he... he... <clears throat> came in and he played what over 13 minutes which we were impressed about just the the fact that Mike Sullivan showed the faith to let him go out and run for 13 minutes 
but he, um, I, I didn't think he looked overwhelmed at all, and that's a big piece of the trade that sent Phil Kessel, uh, a Stanley Cup hero here in Pittsburgh, out of town. So you, you always like to see those dividends start to cash, and I think he looked uh, impressive in his development over the last year or so, and a lot of people were, were pleased to see him on the taxi squad first, and now with the NHL club, you hate that injuries are, are how he gets in the lineup, but that's kind of the Penguins' way, isn't it? Uh, you see what you have in the cupboard by an injury opening a big door for this team, and, and he answered the call last night. I feel for the guys who are trying to establish themselves here in Pittsburgh and got hurt. Like, you look at Mike Matheson, uh, he's out for a while with an upper body injury. Now, Ricola, even longer term, they say, yep. with an upper body injury. You wanted to see him take advantage of the opportunity that he was presented with, with Matheson going down. So those two are down and out, and uh, it's frustrating. And Marcus Pedersen, another guy who I think was really trying to solidify himself as a top-four guy, uh, he had been dropped down to the bottom third and then came back up to play with John Marino, and it wasn't going so well, but he did score a big goal, and then he gets hurt. So it's frustrating for those players, I'm sure, and frustrating for the Penguins who are trying to establish some continuity on the blue line. Yeah, uh, overall, the, the injuries were uh, making a big impact. It's a shame for specifically the, for the two guys you mentioned there, Enricola and Pedersen, because they were established here as members of this team, but they had big opportunities, and they were trying to take advantage of them. Uh, Ricola specifically is, is a guy that was right there uh, on the cusp of becoming a regular, and lo and behold, he's out. So all three hopefully can get back sooner than, than later. Okay, we're going to recap the games this week <clears throat> Excuse me, and talk a lot more about all these subjects we just touched on. We'll do that as Penguins Live Weekly continues right here on the Penguins Radio Network. The Pittsburgh Penguins are brought to you by our founding partners, PPG, official paint of the Penguins. Stop by Burgatory, Pittsburgh's favorite local burger joint, located at Section 206 in PPG Paints Arena. And with seven other spots around town, we're always easy to find. Burgatory, hell of a burger and heavenly shakes. Visit our website at burgatorybar.com. Yo, it's Mark Madden for Window Nation. Ever try to shoot a three-inch puck past a fully padded goalie into a six-by-four net? It takes accuracy and perfection. Window Nation applies the same qualities when installing your new windows. Right now, buy two windows, get two free. There is no limit. Put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for two full years. Call my guys at Window Nation today, the official window company of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Here's a real tweet from a real Chick-fil-A guest. Colin writes, Yo, Chick-fil-A has mac and cheese now. Thanks for spreading the word to the world, Colin. Try the mac and cheese yourself at your local Chick-fil-A. Real Chick-fil-A guests paid for their testimonial. Pittsburgh's biggest discounts for Pittsburgh's biggest hockey fans. Shop JimShorkey.com. Score big on over 3,000 vehicles featuring the hottest new models from Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Ford, Kia, Mitsubishi, Fiat, Alfa Romeo, and now Chevrolet. The time to trade in and trade up is now. Your deal, your way. What a great day. Proud sponsor of the Pittsburgh Penguins and equally committed to giving our fans a great experience. Shop JimShorkey.com. UPMC has you covered when you need to see your doctor. UPMC video visits allow you to have a video appointment with many of our primary care providers and specialists without having to leave home. There's no need to cancel an existing appointment and no reason to wait to schedule a new one. Plus, UPMC is here for you with urgent care video options. It's easy, convenient, and all from the comfort of home. To learn more, talk with your doctor today.
You're listening to Penns Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. Penguins Live Weekly, every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. With me, Paul Steigerwald, and Brian Metzer, and Wayne Gretzky-Anderson running the show over there, pushing all the buttons. And we welcome you back. The week began with a home opener last Sunday afternoon in the first of two games against the Washington Capitals. The Penguins entered the game 0-2, and they turned to Casey DeSmith to stop the bleeding in goal. Sidney Crosby, stand-in right winger, got the first goal just 19 seconds in. How about that? Right off the faceoff, bang, bang, the one-timer by Dumoulin. Great chance there. Here's Rodriguez kicking the puck towards the net. He scores! A feed down low from Dumoulin off Rodriguez and in. And how about that? 19 seconds into this game, the Penguins have the first goal. It's 1-0. Goals by Nick Dowd and Alexander Ovechkin gave the Capitals a 2-1 lead after one, but a mistake by Caps goalie Ilya Samsonov provided an almost empty net opportunity for newcomer Colton Sevier. It's picked off by the Pens. Marino, and up he goes ahead to Sevier, who plays it into the Washington zone. Samsonov, near side, turns it over to Bluger. In front, a shot, they score! Colton Sevier, top shelf off the turnover, and the Penguins have tied this game on Sevier's first as a Pittsburgh Penguin. A long review determined that that puck actually did hit a camera underneath the crossbar and go into the net, so the Penguins did get the goal from Sevier. A power play goal by Nick Backstrom restored the Capitals' one-goal lead, but another goal from an unlikely source tied it up. As Jason Zucker enters the attacking zone, he comes behind the net on the forehand, centers in front, Pedersen, wrist shot, scores! Marcus Pedersen ties this game from the slot, 3-3. There was no scoring in the third period, the game went to overtime, and a shootout, Casey DeSmith was perfect. He stopped TJ Oshie, Nick Backstrom, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Alexander Ovechkin. And the only goal that was needed came from the Penguins' fourth shooter. And Gensel awaits a puck to be put down there at center ice. That would help, I guess, as he drifts back in his own zone. Well, just two for four, Jake. This is only a fifth shootout attempt he's had in his career. Puck is down. Gensel picks it up, and in he comes. Down the left wing. Gensel on the forehand to the backhand. Tucks it home. He scores! Jake Gensel opens the scoring in the shootout, and the Penguins now just need a save to take home two points. And they got that save, as I said, from Casey DeSmith on Ovechkin, and they got the win over the Washington Capitals. It was a great day for the supporting cast, as we were saying, Mets and uh, Yuso Ricola got a chance to get back into the lineup, and I think that goal by Jake Ensel was big because he hadn't scored yet, so it got him going. I agree with you there, and, and it was a very skilled play by him to score uh, the way that he did on the shootout. And you can do... you can. Definitely build upon those things and, and get your confidence going, specifically being successful in a one-on-one -on -one situation. I love the Pedersen goal. He came late. Uh, great wrist shot to pick a corner on the short side. And, of course, you know, as you said, uh, the other the other newcomers and uh, supporting cash chipping in with Sevier getting on the board and Evan Rodriguez. And I also I felt like that goal from Rodriguez spoke to the way they might want to play because it was a, a shot pass into an area where he could redirect it into the net. So, overall, it wasn't a perfect game, but you love the way they, they fought fought hard, come back, and got themselves a couple of points. And the two teams clashed again on Tuesday night, and it featured the debut of Kasperi Kapitan. He began his Penguin career on the fourth line, even though he's expected to eventually become Sidney Crosby's full-time right winger. The Caps came out loaded for Bear. Lars Eller opened the scoring, but Kapitan actually created a great opportunity for his line mate to score the tying goal. Penguins look to go the other way. It's Kapanen skating through center down the left wing. One on two. Kasperi Kapanen right circle. Wrist shot. Save made by Vanacek. Rebound loose. And they score. Atop the crease, Teddy Bluger. Colton Sevier in the vicinity as well. And this line has tied this game 1-1.
It was Sevier who got the goal. Two goals from Tom Wilson gave the Caps a 3-1 lead after one, and they had outshot the Penguins 11-5 in the first period. Penguins have had some bad starts so far this year. In the second period, the Penguins special teams got them back into it. Caps uh, went to sleep a bit, and uh, Lars Eller would say after the game, you can't sleep on this team. The Capitals took two penalties and gave the Penguins a 5-on-3. Pens come right back in. It's Crosby, right wing circle, down low for Rust in front. A shot, they score! It's Jake Gensel atop the crease on the power play, and the first half of the five-on-three converts 3-2. Unfortunately, Evgeny Kuznetsov scored for the Caps to make it 4-2, and they would later fail to capitalize on a 3-on-0 against the Smith. Collected now by Hathaway, and out come the Caps. They have numbers and a breakaway. Two on O. It's Haglund with Dowd. Haglund to Dowd. Back to Haglund. Shoots. Stopped by to Smith at the far post. Big save there by Casey to Smith to keep it a two-goal game. And then the Capitals got themselves a five on three, and Casey to Smith got what will last forever as the most spectacular and unlikely assist of his professional career. 30 seconds left on the five on three for the Caps. They rip the puck into the Penguin zone, settled by DeSmith, flips it up ahead. He has a man, Bluger, shorthanded, past the pack. Bluger in on the backhand, shoots and scores! A shorty for Teddy, and it's 4-3. Amazing. Uh, you know, that's a psychological lift. Any shorthanded goal is big, but a three-on-five goal, and, uh, and also just the nature of how it was scored and when it came in the game, uh, just amazing. Just the uh, the third time in Penguins history that that happened as well. Matt Cook was the last in 2012, and then, of course, Mario Lemieux was able to pull off that feat, which I'm not surprised. But Casey DeSmith looking like Marty Brodeur, the way that he laid the, the saucer pass right into an area where Bluger could take it. And what a, what a fine finish for the youngster. It was a great goal. Sure was, and it was 4-3, and the Penguins had dodged a couple of bullets, including that crazy 3-on-0. The Caps were still leading by one when T.J. Oshie, decided to deliver a predatory blindside hit on Marcus Pedersen at center ice. And that was a very scary moment, Mets. And, again, sometimes in hockey, as we've seen many times over the years, there are certain things in a game that sort of are good omens or they do something to galvanize a team. I think that three-on-five goal was one of those. But even more so, <clears throat> the hit by T.J. Oshie on Pedersen, the way the, their t- his teammates saw him crumple to the ice, that was a, a moment when the Penguins team, I think, came together and really rallied. Well, they, they certainly did. And we've talked, you know, we talked about it on postgame stag that this team has uh, thrived in the past whenever they've needed to, to really lean on some defensemen with guys going out of the lineup. So they played over 20 minutes of this hockey game with just four defensemen. Uh, they, they really came together. You had John Marino, who is off to a little bit of a slow start this year, playing over 26 minutes in the game. Chris Letang played over 28 minutes. And when you, when you look at this, I don't know why or how it works, but it, it just sparked them. And it's a shame for, for Pedersen, and it was a dirty, ugly play by T.J. Oshie, really headhunting him after he took a hit from him deep in the zone and got knocked down. Clean hit, didn't like it, came back, retaliated, but the Penguins made them pay uh, with getting the, the big win in this game. And one thing, I know we have to move on, but we got to mention Sidney Crosby in the faceoff circle in this game. 16-3, and three, Stag, 84%. It was the third best night of Sidney Crosby's career, so hat tip to him. Yeah, and here's the beauty of it, okay? T.J. Oshie takes the penalty, and Evgeny Malkin, who hadn't scored yet, gets the goal. To the near side, Crosby connects with Rust atop the left circle. He gets it to Crosby. Now Latang over to Malkin. A shot, he scores! Evgeny Malkin! A blast from the right-wing circle! And we are tied at four on a PPG from Gino. And as Matt said, the Penguins were down to four defensemen. They did an amazing job in the third period. It went to overtime, and guess who sealed the deal? 
Hensel over that Penguin logo. Down the right wing, in the Washington zone, chips it to himself, further down the wing. In the right wing circle to Latang. fresh on the ice, a shot, stop the rebound, they score! It's Crosby tucking it home, and you can lock the doors and turn out the lights, because the Penguins have won this game in overtime. Sydney, Crosby, 5-4 Pittsburgh. So Sid delivers the th- big goal, and I... Saw him say something to his teammates in the scrum, if you want to call it that, the celebration. Uh, something he, some kind of a quip that had the other players chuckling and laughing, and he had this sly look on his face, like I think he particularly enjoyed watching Tom Wilson skate with that lonely tail between his legs look <laughs> uh, after the Penguins had won the game. I think you're right about that, and he probably was saying, "Hey, you know, pizza and wings on me after the game." No, Sid would never say that. No, I, I, he. He um, clearly was thrilled with this victory. He went out and performed on the ice, answered the bell with his his teammate getting you know blown up the way that he did. Three point night for the captain. Great night in the faceoff circle, as I pointed out a moment ago. And uh, he he was you know kind of firing the guys up a little bit with a comment there. And it's always fun to watch the Caps leave the ice that way. And with the costly uh, game for the defense, it set the stage for the NHL debut of Pierre Olivier Joseph. He was recalled from the taxi squad for last night's game against the Rangers, and the Penguins had a patchwork defense that had John Marino moving to the left side with Cody Ceci on the right. Joseph paired up with Chad Ruedel on the third pair. It was also a reprieve for Tristan Jari, who stopped all 14 Ranger shots in the first period last night. The only goal of the period was scored by a guy who would end up with 11 shots of his own on the night. This pen's back in the attacking zone. It's Jason Zucker spinning it down low for Rust, who's knocked to the ice by Johnson, gets back to his feet. Malkin swoops in, picks up the puck to the point for CeCe, walks the line, wrist shot, they score! A redirect on its way in, and Jason Zucker may have been the man between the hash marks to get stick on puck. 1-0 Penguins. In a span of 3-0-1, the Rangers exploded for three goals by Philip Heedle, Adam Fox, and Capo Caco to take a 3-1 lead in the second, but a stupid tripping penalty against Evgeny Malkin uh, right in front of the net after the Rangers had gained possession of the puck and were heading out of the defensive zone, uh, or the off- yeah the defensive zone. Kevin Rooney opened the door with this penalty and gave the Penguins another power play opportunity. Chris Letang, he'll walk the blue line to the center point. To Rodriguez, slaps it down low for McCann, cross ice feed, sits atop the crease, they dig for it, and they score! McCann centered in front, did he get the bounce he's been waiting for? Kasperi Kapanen was right there atop the crease as well. The Penguins have a very important power play goal, it's 3-2. It was a fluky goal, it was actually put in by the glove of uh, Ranger defenseman Ryan Lindgren who was trying to clear it from the crease, so the Penguins were happy to take it on the power play, and in the third period, Pierre-Olivier Joseph got his first NHL point on another big goal by Teddy Bluger. It comes behind the net, Ruedel first there, being pressured by Lafreniere. Able to get it ahead for Bluger, left wing feed for Kapanen over the Ranger line. Atop the far circle, Kapanen feeds the point man, Joseph, a blast, just wide, rebound, they score at the side of the net, Teddy Bluger has tied this game for the Penguins' second goal in as many games for Teddy Bluger, and it's 3-3. And it was 3-3 after regulation, and after an overtime that featured some great chances for both teams, the Penguins got a vintage, deciding shootout goal from Chris Letang. Chris Letang, 24-69 in his career in the shootout, 70th attempt on the backhand, he scores! Latang beats Shesterkin and the Pens up 2-1 in the shootout. Gensel had also scored uh, for the Penguins in the shootout, as did Artemi Panarin for the Rangers. Another big comeback win. Kapanen with a key assist. Bluger another huge goal. A big win for Tristan Jari and a great night for Pierre-Olivier Joseph.
emotions like after playing your, your first NHL game and what are you going to do with your first uh, point puck? Uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a roller coaster today, you know, a lot of emotion. Uh, you know, the guys have been great with me in the room. Um, I felt like I was part of the team, you know, first game and all. And, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot coming, I think, and I'm just happy that it's behind me now. Uh, this question is for Jared. Uh, Jared, just uh, what did you see on your goal? Were you trying to hit a backdoor pass there, or were you maybe just hoping to try to get a, a good bounce there? Uh, I was trying to hit Johnny backdoor, and uh, luckily that guy just kind of put it in for me. So it's uh, good to get off the back. P.O., how did your time here during camp allow you maybe knowing the boards, and was that your intention on that on that shot? I mean, I don't think it was, but, uh, you know, it's uh... – it's good that it tied the game and uh, you know make that point uh, uh, behind me. But the most important thing I'm right now it's a, it's a W. I was really happy with you know first game first W. So uh, the two point counts a lot. Big night for Pierre Olivier Joseph. And before we take a break, just your quick comment on uh, how it turned out for him. Yeah, I I just love the way that he jumped right into a huge moment as a, a rookie making his debut. It could have been overwhelming. He did not look overwhelmed. He had the one giveaway early in the game where, and it wasn't even a, a very blatant one, he just threw the puck up ice into the neutral zone and nobody got it for him and the Rangers came back. And uh, Jari bailed him out in the first period as part of his 14 saves. So uh, I thought he was impressive, Stag. And I think that the the sky's the limit for a, a player like this. And we can only hope he continues to develop and prove Jim Rutherford right for insisting that he be included in the trade for Phil Kessel because he's on record as saying, I said I wanted that player in the deal, and if I didn't get him, I wasn't making the deal. Well, Jim Rutherford usually gets his guy. Well, the Penguins uh, can certainly talk about all the kinks that are still in their game that they have to work out, but at least they're doing it in the environment of having won games instead of talking about losses and saying all the things they need to work on. And Mike Sullivan will do uh, some talking about those things in just a moment as Penguins Live Weekly continues on the Penguins Radio Network. I'm attorney Edgar Snyder. I'm a diehard black and gold fan, and I never like to hear that our athletes are injured. At Edgar Snyder & Associates, we know how serious injuries can be. They can keep you out of the game. Or if you're an accident victim, injuries can sideline you from your life. At Edgar Snyder & Associates, we help get you off the sidelines and back in the game. For a free consultation, call one 800 9 for edgar or visit edgarsnyder.com. And remember, there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Some chefs have a secret ingredient. Well, we found the perfect secret ingredient. 7-Up. That's right, 7-Up has just the right balance of bubbles and flavor. That's why you can do a lot with it, like 7-Up pancakes, cupcakes, guacamole, carnitas, and don't forget the cocktails. You can make 7-Up whiskey, sangria, margaritas, and much more. Go to 7-Up.com to find more recipes. Visit your nearest local retailer and pick up a 7-Up 20-ounce bottle. 7-Up is the official soda sponsor of your Pittsburgh Penguins. Do more with 7-Up. Please drink responsibly. 7-Up is a registered trademark of Dr. Pepper 7-Up Incorporated. Okay, Mikey, who gets your S&T star of the game? Well, first off, I'm going to say that working with you is hard work. Oh, uh, okay, I know what you mean. And after all that hard work, I can't wait to retire. So my star goes to the advisors at S&T Wealth Management. So you're going to hang up the headset and go someplace warm? Well, I was thinking more like hunting moose on a Harley in Manitoba. Oh, they got great hockey up there. I know it. Ask for Wealth Management at 800-325-2265. Hey Penguins fans, this is Jake Ansel with the Milkshake Factory. You know me for this. And now you'll also know me for this. Every time I do this, you get one of these. 
Yep, every game I light the lamp, you get half off Jake's Shake the next day at the Milkshake Factory. Jake's Shake is a chocolate shake with brownies, Oreos, and hot fudge, topped with chocolate number 59. And just like all our shakes, it's made with locally sourced farm fresh dairy. Remember, every game I score, half off Jake's Shake's next day. Just mention this offer at checkout. The Milkshake Factory, the official milkshake of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Pens Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. Well, I know we're a resilient group, you know, and and so, and and none of these games are going to be perfect, especially early in early in the season here, and and we're trying to find our way a little bit. So, um, you know, there's there's parts of every game that we've played where we where we'd like to be better, and uh, whether it's at the start of the game or if it's you know how we uh, how we respond to some of the uh, the critical moments in games, like after a goal is scored. You know, like I think it's a couple of games now we've given up multiple goals in a short period of time. It, it happened in Philly, and I think we need to have we need to find a way to have pushback during those moments. And so, um, you know, this is all part of the learning process. This is part of the evolution of a team and. And so we, we, we know we got a long way to go here, but what I, what I really admire about our group is just uh, they find ways. And, and so we just stick to it. We stay with it. We scratch and claw and compete and, and, and find ways. And, and that's, that has to be part of the identity as well of this group is we know it's not always going to go the right way out there. We've got to respond to the adversities during the course of a game uh, in the appropriate manner. And, uh, and that was one of the things we talked about after the timeout is just making sure that we, tr- that we respond the right way.
Yeah, Mike Sullivan used a timeout last night when things were going haywire there for the Penguins in the second period. He rarely does that, Mets. Uh, he usually saves his timeouts, but he picked a good time to do it. He definitely did, and you heard Josh and, and Borky last night talking about that that exact situation and the fact that Mike Sullivan wasn't even hanging back. He had his foot up on the, the wall, and he was like really greeting his guys as they came over, and he wanted to send a message to his team and say, look, you know, this is unacceptable. We need to turn this around, and they did, they did just that. And, you know, we, I don't know that we've said it enough recently, but we used to say it all the time that he knows the exact buttons and when to press them. And I think that he's probably showing his coaching moxie more in these five games than he's had to in a while because there is a lot of adversity. There is a lot of people, or there are a lot of people looking at this and saying, you know, you you washed out of the playoffs a couple years in a row. You start out of the gate slowly here. Nobody considers or gives you latitude whenever you um, are in a situation where you might be rusty and only having played four games since last March. No one cares about that. They just expect you to come out and win a Stanley Cup again. And for him to go out the way that he did, use the timeout in a huge moment, to be cognizant of where the team is, when he needs to kind of tap the brakes a little bit and rein them in, I I thought it was a a pretty shrewd move by Mike Sullivan last night and one that really probably could have been the difference in the game because he settled things down at the the exact moment it needed to be settled down and and got them on track. Do you think this is the forging of an identity as a resilient team, Uh, maybe a blessing in disguise are those situations of adversity because of the way they've responded to them and something that they can sort of uh, hang their hat on maybe even further down the road as the season evolves? Well, you definitely um, you can forge an identity of being that Balboa type that's sitting out there saying, you know, hit me, hit me, you know, I'll take another punch, and then they feed off of that. And it it's been proven with the way they respond to injuries, the way they respond to these body blows in games where things are spiraling out of control and they've been able to overcome them. I don't know that it's a recipe for long-term success this season to find yourself in two-goal holes and to maybe start so slow. I know that was a big theme coming out of last night's game where clearly Mike Sullivan sent that message because to a man, I think two or three of the players that took the podium all said we start slow. Chris Letang said we start slow. I mean, you, it's not a, it's not a solid recipe, but yes, to your point, I think showing how resilient they can be and being able to thrive in those, in those moments and situations, that that's definitely an identity forging situation. And they've proven that through the early stages of this year. I listened to Bob Airy and Phil Bork on the radio last night in the pregame show. It was a great interview, and Bobby said, you know, when Gino's not going well, and he said he's not, uh, he said he's been sleepy out there, he said, uh, sometimes you're, you know, your line mate has to pick you up or say, come on, big boy, we need you, that kind of thing. And then Brian Rust goes out and gets 11 shots on goal last night. Jason Zucker made a real nice play in the first Capitals game uh, to uh, set up Marcus Pedersen on Sunday with a beautiful play when he came around the net. He's getting great chances. Uh, he's he's going to have to start putting some in. But uh, the fact is, those two wingers uh, have come to life, I think, in the last few games, and we've got to get Geno going, but that big power play goal was nice. Still, he doesn't seem to be dialed in yet. No, and it's it's a little bit of a head-scratcher for me, Stag, because he put up 74 points in 55 games last year. I mean, Evgeny Malkin has always proven to be a guy, yeah, he has his moments that can frustrate you a little bit, but, I mean, he should be well a point per game, if not more, player, even at this stage of his career, and he's proven the ability to be able to do that. He's, he had... 171 shots on goal last year in just 55 games. This year, just 11 shots uh, over his five games. And I know it's not all about the shots, but he just, like last night he had one. 
So, I mean, you expect a little more from, from Gino. Those wingers, though, the way they are kind of ramping up and getting themselves into offensive situations and areas of the ice, I think that he can work well with that. I, I don't know where you fall on this, but it's a little bit surprising, though, that that line has been a bit of a slow start this year. People were raving about them during the training camp, saying how cohesive they looked. And, I mean, many of our, our media cronies were saying this could be one of the best lines in the National Hockey Note League. Note to self. Stop drawing conclusions from things that happen in training camp scrimmages, okay? I know. Believe when the me. Penguins are playing against themselves. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, if we're to believe that th- that they're going to be a, a, a contender in the National Hockey League, you would think, hey, the competition should be more stout playing against yourselves. I mean, it's always when they go head-to-head. Well, that's head. true for sure. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, it's not real. They're not no. hitting each other no, or anything I agree. like that. And Gino can, you know, it's like a, it's like an all-skate. But even just like whenever you, you see them – completing passes the way that you know was impressive and people were just loving the way they moved the puck i know it's against your own teammates i haven't seen that uh there's been moments where yeah it's like gino's on an island and the other it's yeah. like all three of them are kind of doing their there, own there's thing there's not a there. same page situation there and maybe they are rounding into form now like you said brian russ goes out and gets himself 11 shots on goal last night I feel like if he gets 11 shots on a nightly basis, he's going to have more than one goal to show for it, specifically based on what we saw last year. Now, I anticipated his shooting percentage to come down a little bit off of last season because he he was scoring at a pretty high rate uh, for the shots he was he was putting on goal. And even with that correction down to the mean, if you will, I, I still anticipate a little more productivity from him than we've seen. So if they get it going the right way, that's going to result in points for Gino. He's going to be feeling better about himself. And I, the power play goal he scored the other night, you could tell, yes, he was mad about the situation, but he, it looked like a, a load came off his back too because he, he absolutely destroyed that puck that he scored on the one-timer on the power play. And maybe that we didn't see it last night, but that's that's the moment I felt he was going to be able to build on, and maybe he just hasn't gotten there yet. Here's what I think about Gino. If I was <clears throat> just analyzing, you know, Mike Sullivan said he gets down on himself when he's not scoring. I think that Gino's going through a little bit of a transition from a player who could just dominate and blow by people anytime he wanted, and you know, fake people right out of their jock straps, to a guy who may be a little bit more of a target out there now. He's maybe more vulnerable to hits. He's really going to have to adjust. You know, you saw Mario Lemieux become a different player in each phase of his career. Gino's going to have to learn to, to, to you know, move the puck a little sooner, uh, you know, be a guy who kind of floats around and gets to the open spot to score a goal now and then, relies on his line mates. I don't know if, if how much Gino is willing to make those changes to, in his game or make those adjustments because he's, he's kind of an instinctive player. I don't see him as a particularly cerebral player who's going to, really sort of analyze his own game and make these you know, major adjustments as he gets older. But I do think that any player, as he ages in this league, has to make some adjustments in how he plays. You're, you're exactly right. And I was just kind of eyeballing his numbers while, while you were uh, breaking him down. What's interesting to me is he, he almost always has had a shooting percentage over 10 at least. He's only at 9.1 right now. The last time he had one that low was all the way back in the 12-13 season when he was shooting at only a 9.09% rate. That year he only scored nine goals in 31 games. So uh, hopefully that's not an indicator of how the season's going to go. I know it's a very short. Uh, I know it's a very short sample size so far, but to score on only 9.1% of his shots. That that's a little low, so he's got to correct that a little bit. He was at fourteen point six last year, and that alone, if even if you have to alter how you attack the game and play the game, 
if your shooting percentage is where it should be historically, that's going to just help his productivity right there. Uh, but I don't know if it's shot selection, if it's just weak shots he's throwing on net this year so far. As we just pointed to, he hasn't taken many, um, near as many as he usually does. So that that alone is going to help him. But to your point again, I, I think he does have to alter how he plays a little bit. He still will be able to have the moments where he's galloping around the ice. I mean, when he does that, he's still very impressive. I love when he goes into Gino Machino mode and kind of mulks up, if you will, and, and just goes nuts. But he's tried that a couple of moments this year, and I've seen him get his pocket picked, or he's trying to beat three guys one-on-one, and he, he, he can't do that anymore. you got to be a little bit smarter, and maybe that's where those wingers come in. Work a little more give-and-goes to get into the zone rather than trying to take it yourself one-on-three. Right, and that's a that's a fundamental change in the way he's playing, right, or going to have to yep. play. And sooner rather than later, might as well get to it because he's not getting any younger. No, and uh, what, 34 years old, uh, if I'm not mistaken? I mean, these it's hard to believe these guys are that age. I know. But, I mean, I feel like they just got here, but uh, 15, 16 years later, here we are. So um, I think Gino definitely is going to have to adjust a little bit. And as we say that, he may come out on Sunday. No, he's and, capable and, of exploding. put up a hat trick. I actually <laughs> thought he was going to do that last night, and the reason I did was because he's playing a younger team. Yep. Their defense is a little soft. They play a little loosey-goosey. I thought this is kind of game where Gino could really light it up, and it, it didn't happen. And he tends to um, wreak some havoc against teams like the Rangers over the course of his career. And he might do it Sunday. He could do it tomorrow night. I mean, it's it's definitely possible. But I, I think just I'm just making a little check mark there on the fact that some changes have to be made in a guy's game when he gets older, and I think he, he might have to take that into consideration. Okay, let's uh, listen to a conversation we had with a former Penguin assistant coach who's now an assistant coach uh, with the uh, New York Rangers, and we will do that after the break. So we're going to pause, and we'll come back with Jacques Martin. It's Penguins Live Weekly on the Penguins Radio Network. Hey, Penguins fans, put some flavor in your season with Snapple. Here at Snapple, we are serious about flavor. Snapple's got tasty tea and real fruit flavors all mixed to perfection. So try some of our favorite flavors, including peach tea, diet peach tea, or Snapple apple tea at your local retailer. Snapple is the official tea and juice sponsor of your Pittsburgh Penguins. Put some flavor in your break. Make time for Snapple. UPMC has you covered when you need to see your doctor. UPMC video visits allow you to have a video appointment with many of our primary care providers and specialists without having to leave home. There's no need to cancel an existing appointment and no reason to wait to schedule a new one. Plus, UPMC is here for you with urgent care video options. It's easy, convenient, and all from the comfort of home. To learn more, talk with your doctor today. Pittsburgh's biggest discounts for Pittsburgh's biggest hockey fans. Shop JimShorkey.com. Score big on over 3,000 vehicles featuring the hottest new models from Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Ford, Kia, Mitsubishi, Fiat, Alfa Romeo, and now Chevrolet. The time to trade in and trade up is now. Your deal, your way. What a great day. Proud sponsor of the Pittsburgh Penguins and equally committed to giving our fans a great experience. Shop JimShorkey.com. Hey, Pence fans, this is Josh Getzoff. Hockey is back. As the official security partner of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Vector Security understands that the best defense starts at the front door. And there's no better way to know who's at your front door than with a smart video doorbell camera. View live and recorded video clips and talk with your visitors all from the Vector Security app on your smartphone. Don't miss a second of the action. Call 844-2-VECTOR or visit VectorSecurity.com slash smartpens for this exclusive offer. 
You're listening to Pens Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. Jacques Martin is in town. Jack Johnson is in town. Uh, former Penguins, and Jacques uh, was nice enough to visit with us on the phone prior to uh, last night's game, so I thought we'd play the, uh, the longer version of that discussion with Jacques, the former Penguin assistant who helped the Penguins for seven years and was there to when the Penguins won the two Cups. Now he's trying to help the New York Rangers become a good hockey team. Welcome back to Penguins Live pregame. Time now for our view from the other side, and it comes from a guy who has been on this side for the last seven years and helped the Penguins win a couple of Stanley Cups in 16 and 17 as an assistant coach to Mike Sullivan, now an assistant coach with David Quinn in New York with the New York Rangers, the venerable Jacques Martin. Jacques, great to have you on the radio. Nice to know you're in Pittsburgh. Unfortunately, we can't get together, and you can't see your old buddies because you're quarantined, if you will, in the hotel. But what's it feel like to come back to Pittsburgh and know you're going to be playing the Penguins? Well, it's great to come back. You know, I think it's uh, it's a great city. Uh, I had uh, seven great seasons, seven great years here. I really enjoyed uh, working for the Penguins organization. I think they're, they're a first-class organization. They've always treated me and treated the, our staff and the players uh, first-class, everything uh, you know, available at our uh, for us to 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 to, to be a better team or, or to win. Uh, the people I think are, are great sports fans, great hockey fans, and uh, really really enjoyed spending uh, seven years here. And uh, I think uh, I can't speak enough. I think I had the opportunity uh, to win uh, two Stanley Cups. Uh, I think uh, it was uh, a tremendous experience and, and a great learning experience working for this organization. I, I thought that. Uh, from ownership to management uh, down to the coaching and players, I think uh, people are working on the same page and really a lot of communication and, and a lot of dedication to, uh, to, to put on, on the ice a, a first-class product every year. Jacques, you've had uh, experience with several different teams over the years. Uh, I think back to when you first started with the Ottawa Senators. They were a young team, kind of like the New York Rangers, I guess, with some great young players, but more like prospects, guys who were still cutting their teeth at the NHL level. And you got there and you turned things around for the Senators. They had talent, but they didn't have the structure that you brought to them. So I wonder if you could compare maybe a little bit of that experience with what you're now seeing with the New York Rangers. You're not the head coach, but are you seeing similar dynamics with the young players that they have and trying to shape it all into something that can be a winning team? Yeah, I think we have some 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 great young players. I think uh, you know I think it's a little difficult to make a comparison, especially because of this season with really no training camp, uh, not having an opportunity to see some of our young products that are you know are still maybe playing junior hockey or in uh, in Europe that would be coming to training camps and then going back to their team. So I don't have as good a, a grasp, but there's no doubt we've got some some good young players. Uh, you know, I think our, our goaltending is, is, is strong, good young kids with a lot of potential, a lot of talent, and then some, some good young guys and, and some, some uh, established players that, uh, you know, I think that are really going to help our, our development. You know, people like Zabanajed that had an, uh, an outstanding season last year, started in Ottawa, got traded to the Rangers. Uh, you know, Kreider is a, a veteran that, that brings some, some, some leadership, brings some intensity, brings some speed to our game. Uh, Panarin, who's a, a very skilled player, um, you know, so strong. So we, so we have a, a nucleus of some veteran players and, uh, you know, to help us 
uh, build from day to day and get better. I, I think, as you mentioned, I think that in order to get them to have some success, you, you know, you have to, to work on your structure. You have to work on, on a lot of details. And, and it doesn't turn overnight. You know, it, 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 it's a process. Uh, it's doing the right things on a daily basis and practice. Uh, it's learning to be a pro for some of the young guys. Uh, it's uh, learning not to get too high after a win and then too low after a loss. And like to me, a bit of an indication we lost. We had a, we had a poor game, our first game of the season against the Islanders. We came back strong, had a strong game in in our second game, you know, in a showdown. And then game three, weren't quite ready to start. We put ourselves behind the eight ball. Uh, we gave them a lead, and then. You know, we dominated. We had great chances, but just couldn't couldn't come back to, to to get a point or get a win. So those are things that it's a process that you that you have to go through and and learn from a day to day basis. What are you seeing in Alexi Lafreniere? Well, a, a good young player that's uh, really coachable, that's eager to get better, uh, that has some some great skill. Uh, it's a matter of him, you know, adjusting to to the league and also with our team and trying to to find where he's going to fit in. Like it makes it a little more difficult this year because no training camps, uh, no preseason game. So, uh, you know, he started on the third line and then we moved them up to, to a second line and now probably playing on, trying on another line. So we're just trying to find some chemistry with, with a center and, and a winger. And, uh, but I think uh, I like what I see from him. I think from a standpoint that he's a strong, he's a, he's a good skater. He's strong on the puck. And I think he's got a great shot. So it's just a matter of time uh, as he gets more familiar with our league, and, you know, that he uh, blossoms and, and becomes more of a, uh, you know, a real good, real good player. I know. So there's your man, uh, Jacques Martin, who I, I just think is a great guy, and he has a really good hockey mind. Like, he's one of those guys, when you talk about hockey, he always gets to the essence of things, and he's right about it. You know what I mean? It's just all that experience that he's had. Uh, and he's a really good guy to have around to kind of bounce things off of. And I think the Penguins really used him in that capacity. So he was definitely a valuable asset to the Penguins. They obviously had to make changes in the offseason to, to address what would have happened in the playoffs. And uh, unfortunately, Jacques Martin lost his gig uh, as a result of that. But at the same time, he ends up in New York, and he's doing valuable things for them. And the Penguins have a new coaching staff. And I came to mind as I was listening to that interview, well, now Todd Reardon's in Pittsburgh, and he has to be pretty happy with what happened early in the week, not necessarily the way the Penguins played, but the results of those two games against the Capitals. Yeah, I bet he brought a, a notebook of ideas of how to play that team as well. And he talked about it last week. I think Borky did a pregame hit with him ahead of one of the Caps games saying, you know, how was it going down to Washington and everything? And Brooks Orpik said the same thing to you when you talked to him, that they were kind of trying to get a notebook on the Penguins from those guys, from their time in town. And, and I'm sure that goes on a whole lot. But yeah, to have him come back uh, here where he... he you know, forged his coaching career, so to speak, and the success he's had with defensemen over the course of his career. I anticipate that being beneficial to guys like like Joseph here in town, Ricola eventually when he gets himself healthy. Uh, even the the vets on this team, John Marino is going to benefit from Todd Reardon. He has a good mind for helping these defensemen. I I don't know that we've seen the impact quite as much as I anticipated just yet, but it's not been a whole lot of time for these guys to work with one another. So I, I was happy about his return to Pittsburgh based on what he can bring. Uh, I know this new staff is going to bring new wrinkles and, and uh, Volucci coming on board too is a, uh, a guy that Jim Rutherford's very familiar with from his days in Carolina. And I'm, I wasn't shocked to see him bring him to Pittsburgh. I won't be shocked to see at some point down the line, his career even grow or blossom more so here in Pittsburgh. And 
that that's the thing though you 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 meet people along the way in your NHL career and and you you forge them onto your organization because you you believe in what they can bring to the table and I think that's what Jim Rutherford did with both of these guys and uh Vellucci has decided to create a more aggressive penalty kill approach for the Penguins, yeah. and uh, that is still a work in progress. One thing that I've noticed is that uh, in the Philly game, you saw Gustafson with two wide-open slap shots from the point one timers that resulted in tips uh, in front of the net, where normally you know, those are tough to get uh, these days on the power play because teams are generally fronting those shooters and they're blocking shots or there's going to be some traffic around the net that's not going to make it easy for somebody to tip a puck because somebody's going to tie up a stick or whatever. So the Penguins didn't do a particularly good job of that. And again, Adam Fox last night had a big blast from the point, uh, similar kind of situation. So um, maybe when you're more aggressive uh, like that, uh, Mets, there is that possibility they can move the puck quickly. They can get it to an open man for a one-timer. So something I think the Penguins need to work on. But it, it definitely is a different approach that they're taking under Mike Vellucci. Yeah, and that's going to take a little bit of an adjustment period, I think. They're only killing off 73.7% at the moment. That ranks, not counting ties and everything, I mean, they're all the way down at 23 overall. That's a little uncharacteristic of the Penguins. They've been pretty effective in the way they kill penalties over the last handful of years, and that's something I anticipate them getting better at. They've been also shorthanded more than I would have liked on the season, 19 times so far in just a, what, five Yeah, games. you want to kill penalties, don't take them. Yeah, that's and, and they've been in and out of the box a little too much. I mean, and when they've taken them too, they've taken them in clusters as well as some of the mistakes we've talked about. I mean, you've been down two men a handful of times through five games. They've also taken a couple too many men on the ice penalties. Uh, I believe the first three games in a row of the season, they took too many men on the ice penalties. So those are all things you've got to clean up. And the less penalties you take to the point you just made, it will make the penalty killing better because you just won't have to do it as often every single night. And I, I do anticipate that aggressive approach to the PK to eventually pay off and maybe even result in a couple more shorthanded opportunities going the other way because we saw it on display with Bluger scoring three on five. I think that this team has the skill level with whoever's going to be out there killing those penalties to produce a little bit more offensively while down a man as well. I'm kind of surprised Jared McCann's not killing penalties. Now, I know he's playing on the second power play unit, but you know he's a guy who you would think would have uh... – uh, an opportunity to do that. Uh, I remember he scored that beautiful shorthanded goal a few years ago uh, when he did that spinorama. I think that was a shorty, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's a guy who could maybe help the penalty-killing unit if they decide to maybe add another, you know, player to that mix. Um, Penguins will play the Rangers again tomorrow night. You heard Jacques Martin say that they bounced back from their loss to the Islanders to play a real good game and beat them. So I don't think you want to take anything for granted against the New York Rangers. They've got a lot of talent. They generate a lot of shots. They had 50 against the Devils. Last night they had 14 in the first period against the Penguins, 34 on the night. So they are a team that can be dangerous, and the Penguins are going to have to be aware of them, I think, uh, tomorrow night. You're right about that. And uh, one thing that stood out to me when I was looking at last night's game, Stag, is we talked a lot about the Penguins getting slow starts. They were outscored significantly, almost 2-1 to one in first periods. The Rangers were in the same boat coming in. They had been outscored in the first period 4-2, to two, and now it's 5-2 to two after losing to the Penguins last night. So both teams will be looking for a strong start, and I think that will signify how the rest of that game is going to go for either side. The Penguins have had to concede a point in each of the last three games, so it's not been perfect, so that gives them cause to say, okay, we need to do a lot of things better. You heard Mike Sullivan talking about that. That's uh, something that uh, I think they'll be really trying to do. Maybe a 60-minute game uh, 
tomorrow night against the Rangers. 60 minutes is the way to do it. You can't play a period here or a period there, Stag. you got to take care of your business early, often, and throughout. And we'll have the pregame show at 6. Brian Metzer and myself will be along with the broadcast of Josh Getzoff and Phil Bork on the call. Wayne Gretzky-Anderson, our producer, will be there. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody, to Penguins Live Weekly. We'll talk to you next Saturday morning and again tomorrow night here on the Penguins Radio Network, which, of course, is presented by S&T Bank. Stop by Burgatory, Pittsburgh's favorite local burger joint, located at Section 206 in PPG Paints Arena. And with seven other spots around town, we're always easy to find. Burgatory, hell of a burger and heavenly shakes. Visit our website at burgatorybar.com. Covestro is a leading producer of high-tech materials which are transformed into sustainable solutions. Its products are used to make cars lighter, buildings more energy efficient, and hockey safer. As the official innovation partner of the Penguins, Covestro is bringing its materials expertise to help rethink the rink. This unique collaboration is in its fourth year of game-changing innovation. From dasher boards to player equipment, Rethink the Rink explores every aspect of hockey for material solutions that impact safety without impacting the game. More information at covestro.us slash innovation scores. Pennsylvanians are creating their own soundtrack thanks to PA Lottery Scratch-Off's Excitement's Back. Pennies, nickels, dimes, or quarters, no matter your choice, Scratch-Off's always in order. With big top prizes and second chance drawings, thrills await. They're out there calling if it's excitement you seek and you're looking for action, play the PA Lottery. And keep on scratching. Must be 18 or older. Please play responsibly. Benefits older Pennsylvanians every day. Hi Pittsburgh Penguins fans, this is Tristan Jari. You may know me to make big saves on the ice at PPG Paints Arena, but off the ice I make big saves as well by trusting the walls in my home to PPG Paint. PPG Ultra Last is engineered to save your walls by repelling the most difficult stains and by resisting unsightly scuffs, even from hockey pucks. If you want to keep your walls looking clean and fresh, choose PPG Ultra Last, a hometown Pittsburgh brand you can count on. PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Hey y'all, I'm Maddie, and something I love about the Chick-fil-A Nuggets is their gold color. It lets me know that I'm about to enjoy something hot and delicious. It's just comfort food. It feels good to eat. Real guests paid for their testimonial.